I'm starting a study in ethnomusicology, which is um, just a, a word to impress your friends. Um, and it basically means studying local uh, people's music with the goal, the purpose, of helping them come to know Jesus and then formulating praise in their own songs and arts. So this is a passage that the Lord spoke to me out of just this week. And um, thinking about music is something I do a lot. I just want to say we're really glad to be here. This is really fun. Um, it's a huge privilege, and we've missed you guys a lot. So don't hesitate to stop us um, if you do know us. But you've heard this at like already five times the service. This is a great. It's just like hitting you with it again and again. So just one more time, the Psalm 96 says, Sing to the Lord a new song. And this is one of at least 20 odd places in Scripture that tells us to sing. And one of, I don't know, eight or so that says new song. And I've wondered, what is this song and why is it new? Because it's, it's throughout Scripture. You find it in the Psalms. You find this new song again in Isaiah. Um, fast forward, you find it again in Revelation. So this is like a long time for a new song. Beyond that, every time it's mentioned, the new song that we're singing, whatever that is, is tied to declaring God's glory among the nations. So there's song in nations. So just for example, Psalm 40, he put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and, and put their trust in the Lord. Um, Isaiah 42. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the ends of the earth. So there it is again. And then in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, they sang a new song to Jesus, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So it's everywhere. It's really explicit. There's something connecting them, and that's what I want to look at today. And in your outline, we're going to go backward a little bit. Um, we have this first section, what is this new song? And we're going to start with number three and go backward. And <clears throat> we'll say that that was on purpose to keep your attention. Um, so what is the new song? That's my question. Number three, starting off with number three, new song refers to, are you ready for this? Songs that are new. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's right. I'm glad you're not paying for this. No, really. Um, just at the basic level, Scripture tells us again and again to create new songs, new expressions of praise to Jesus. We should be creating new songs. Now, the new in this, especially in, in the Revelation, is not so much temporally new, like chronologically as in the latest song, but it's a new that means more like fresh uh, or like clothes that are unworn. It's new as in quality. So a couple other places in Scripture where this new is used. Uh, Jesus is talking about the kingdom in Luke 5, and he talks about new wine needing new wineskins, right? You can't put new wine in old wineskins because the old wineskins will burst. Thank you, I heard it. Will burst, and the, you'll ruin everything. It's new wines need new wineskins. Um, it's this idea of like the new covenant, the new thing that Jesus is doing, the spirit that he is sending. It doesn't fit in the old covenant anymore. It doesn't fit in 
that's fulfilled. It's a new thing. We need new wineskins, a new framework. It's not that they're the latest wineskins, that like the latest technology in wineskinnery. It's that they are fresh and they are ready, and it's apropos for the for the for the moment. Um, he also uses this new, referring to the the covenant of my blood, the new covenant in my blood. When he gives the cup, this is the new covenant, and it's fresh and it supersedes what came before it. It's even better than what came before, kind of like the new wine. So that's over and against new, like young. Um, so you might say that this is a new song that's like hot off the presses with emphasis on hot, fresh. Um, the other one that came to mind was waffles, hot off the, like waffle press. My wife gave me a waffle iron last year for Father's Day, which I love and use frequently. And, you know, there's nothing like that waffle right when it comes off. Am I right? Any, any like waffle lovers? So I'm always like, no, you take the waffles. No, you go. And I, you know, I give them all out so I can get the last, <laughs> the last one that I cook is for me. <laughs> it's kind of like that. So these are songs that are newly written, but not, they're not valued just because they're the latest song that came down the pipe on the radio, and therefore it's the best. <laughs> but in whatever context, um, it's something that comes freshly out of the heart. It's a spontaneous and new expression of praise, which we'll get into. It's fresh in spirit. That was the first thing I think the new song refers to. We should be writing new songs. Secondly, moving up the ladder to point two, the new songs, I mean, the thing about a new song is once you sing it, it's not new anymore. So I don't think this is saying only sing songs that are brand new that no one has ever seen before all the time right? That would not be very compelling. Um, I think it means to sing old songs newly. So these are songs that are sung newly, (laughs) which is now a word, Um, meaning it's an existing song that you sing with a fresh heart. Um, it's, It's sung anew. It's sung for today. Words and meanings that are for now. They move my heart and my faith now. So it may have been written by someone else at a different place and time about a different circumstance, but I can kind of apply that or a big word appropriate or like grab it for me as if I'm singing it or wrote it for my situation here today. And that's what a lot of our songs are like. Good songs are like that. Even non, you know, secular songs, it's like they persist because we relate to them. It's like, yes, that is me. They're singing about me, even though it was written then. And the same is true for worship songs. The only way this happens, though, really, is through faith. Because we don't have power to make new things out of old. Jesus makes the old new. Amen. He makes the dead alive. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. So that something that's really new, spiritually, comes from Jesus. We access it through faith. Meaning we sing in faith, with eyes of faith, looking at songs and hearing and saying words, trusting God for them and and with our hearts fixed on him. There's a guy named Harold Best who is an author and a theologian and you'll get to know him really well in this sermon because he agrees with almost everything that I say. So (laughs) in his book, Unceasing Worship, He says, it is important for all Christians to understand that biblical newness is, first of all, a newness that arises out of a life of faith. I like that. It's like a whole context of faith. 
This is what I mean. The song may be borrowed or repeated or upsettingly different. Anyone ever been in that situation? But faith alone makes it new. Meaning we can sing anything as long as it's not wrong in what it says about God. We can sing any worship song new to the Lord, even if we don't like the song. Which, if you're like me, is <laughs> often. Um, no offense to everyone. But only the Lord can make things new. Faith, he says, expedites this newness to us. And here's what faith does. It keeps us from vainly repeating. Now, this is a really interesting warning. It's sort of the flip side of the singing newly. The danger is, is vain repetition. So Jesus warns us about vain repetition regarding prayer. And he says, don't pray heaping up words like the pagans do who think they will be heard by their many words and just repeat, 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 repeat. Well, we can run into the same risk or danger in song. We can trust the song in and of itself or take comfort from the song. I mean, we might say, well, this is such a good song. It's so theologically correct and sound, and it uses multisyllabic words without actually singing it from a heart of faith to Jesus. Or we might remember the good old times when we sang this with auntie whomever at the barn or whatever or or i was at a concert that like like blasted my teeth out of my head it was so great and that's what i'm referencing and i'm trusting those experiences in the song itself rather than coming to jesus personally and making this song new does i don't know if that makes sense but we can vainly repeat songs and not actually be singing them to the Lord. The song is in and of itself nothing. The music in and of itself is nothing. There is no music. There is no style that is inherently better or worse than any other. I'm not going to take sides. If you're hoping or worried that I'm going to take sides in this sermon, I'm not. I could, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> because that's not the point. The new song is not, you know, God totally sidesteps the worship wars with this. So singing a new song is singing any worship song for today. Singing it in faith. So that brings us to the first point of this first section. What is the new song? It's the song of salvation or the song of the redeemed. You could write, yeah, either of those there. It's, it is, in its widest sense, in its most sort of metaphorical sense, it is what we, it is, the expression of our lives, of our salvation in Christ. Because he makes all things new. He makes us new day by day, morning by morning, new mercies, I see. God's salvation happens at one time in our lives, but it's happening all the time, or should be. We should be experiencing that, a sense of newness continually. We are changed, and so everything is changed. Matthew Henry famous dead guy, says, if the grace of God put a new heart into our breasts, it will therewith put a new song into our mouths. And so now you can use therewith. If God puts something, a new heart in us, it's going to generate new expressions, new faith everywhere. Uh, and that's what he calls us to. That's what this is in its biggest sense. It's just, it is the life of the redeemed. The whole gospel worked out in the heart of individuals in a church and throughout a culture because God is ever new in his mercies to us. We're a new creation. So that's what I think the new song is. Three things. 
actual new song, singing songs newly, and a life of newness. It's a song of the church. Okay. Now then, how does that work out? What does that look like for us practically? We want to do this. It's a command. Sing a new song. Okay, well, where do I start? Well, I'm going to... First, we want to make an observation here before I get into kind of two practicals. And this is the point, yeah, number one, we need to recognize God's design here. So I'm going to give you a Bible quiz. If there are any Bible whiz people here. If I were to ask you who created the first instruments in the Bible, any guesses? Besides God? Well, it does list in Genesis 4. Did anyone ring a bell for anyone? No pun intended. Jubal. Yeah, this is what I got last service. Tubal Cain. Where are these names today? Yeah, it actually lists a couple guys who are like, what is Jubal's the father of those who play the lyre and pipe, and Tubal Cain, the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. You guys didn't know this? Bible trivia. So the original instrument is the brass tuba. Just kidding. But you do have two blanks for this. Yes, this was a total setup. So these guys are first listed as creators of human instruments, but, as my wife already gave away, God is the original creator of the original instrument. What is it? The human voice. Oh. Yeah, that's there. The original instrument is the human voice. This is... Uh, This is not a stretch. This isn't like metaphorical. It is the only instrument directly created by God. It's an equal opportunity instrument. It's available to everyone. And therefore, it is an equal obligation instrument. Because everyone has one. Think about that. What is implied? What expectations are implied by the fact that God created all humans with this instrument built in? Well, I'll give you a hint. Singing. I mean, that is implied in our biological makeup. It is fundamental to who we are. So my piano teacher in high school used to say this to me, sort of yell it at me in her Romanian accent. Lovely woman. Um, but when I couldn't play something, she would, say, she would say, sing it. If you can sing it, then you can play it. Because the music, you know, it's all out there. It's on the page and the notes, and you're trying to execute it. And she said, okay, if you can get it in here, then you can get it. It was an interesting observation. She wasn't saying this from a, a standpoint of faith. But it's an interesting observation just to look at This is so inherent to how God made me. There's something implied here. There's big repercussions. Footnote for another day. I'll leave this to the preaching staff at Sun Valley, just to think about something much more uncomfortable may be pursued when we think about the fact that God created the human body and repeats commands for us to dance to the Lord. So I'll just let you guys work that one out on your own time. Jeremy? (laughs) It's really worth thinking about. So this means two things. You don't have little things for this. This is just in the white space. It means, first, you're created with a voice. It means you can sing. 
anyone can sing. And you may not be able to sing well, and you may not be able to sing that other people want to hear, but you can sing, barring you know, physical defects, which obviously exist. But you can sing. It's the most intuitive thing that the voice does. It's two things. It's, it's sounds, like pitches, and words, and they go together. And songs. In almost every culture in the world, songs are like fundamental identifier of the culture. They're right at the heart and the center, and there's a reason for that. So Harold Best says, song is the music of the human voice. Its relation to speech is not only physiological, in that our vocal cords can produce both speech and music, but also inflectional, in that any steadily sustained vocal sound is the same as a pitch, meaning it's like right there. Furthermore, a succession of pitches arranged according to an acceptable cultural norm, we can call a tune or a song. Got it? All right. So that was one way of putting it. Let me explain this in a different way. Who knows the movie Elf? All right. Will Ferrell, right? And he's in the department store, and he's trying to cheer up the girl who's really beautiful but grouchy, and he thinks he's an elf, and so he's like, oh, someone, someone needs some Christmas cheer. Are you, and you with me on this? You remember this? Right? And, and he's like, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Okay, I got my contingent. <laughs> We've watched this movie way too many times. And he's like, he, and she's like, well, I don't sing. It's like, singing is easy. He says, it's just like talking, except longer and louder, and you move your voice up and down. And then he demonstrates. He like, turns to the story. He goes, you know, I'm singing. I'm in a store, and I'm singing. I'm in a store, and I'm singing. And everyone's like, as embarrassed for him as you are for me right now. <laughs> but I just won half of the lower audience in the room. The point is, he's right. He's actually, right, he's actually making a theological point. Anyone can sing. It's not hard. It's easy. You just say words and move your, your pitch up and down in your singing. And that is true. And that's how God created us. Go elf. Harold Best also agrees with elf. So the implication of this is simple. If God created you with an instrument and you can sing and he commands you to sing, then you must. We must. We must sing. This is not optional. This is not vocational, like a special job. This is not only for those with training or those who esteem themselves higher than others. You can err in this by saying, oh, I can't sing, or I'm such a good singer. It doesn't matter. That is not listed here. Harold says, just Harold now, singing is not an option for the Christian. No one is excused. Skill is not a criterion. <laughs> All right. So those are my observations about God's design. So how do we implement this? And two things. We're going to talk about new songs and singing newly, those two things. So the first one is new songs. Also, no dashes for this. This is between one and two and point B. We should be creating new songs as, on the whole... As believers, as a local gathering, we should be singing new songs, songs that are actually newly written, fresh songs. And I do mean improvising, creating, writing, composing, humming songs. Everybody, lots of people should be doing this. You do it in your quiet time. Introduce it into your family worship. 
which is either going to be the easiest or the worst audience like you would have on earth, um, into your gospel communities and even into this service. New songs should be making their way into the body of Christ regularly. It's part of who we are. It's not only natural, as we already pointed out, it's what your voice does with words when you hold them. It's not only so immediate and natural. This is really fascinating. I didn't know that, realize this till this week. It's normative for the church. It's, it's what the church has always done. Look at this. This is really cool. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that chapter that we like love to avoid because it's, you know, you, you know what I mean. But listen to what it says in verse 26. He's talking about spiritual gifts and how they are to be applied in the body. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. So this passage is so loaded with controversy and, and theologizing about, about the tongue stuff and that's fine, that's good, that's one conversation. But it's so overburdened with that that we completely miss what's like right in plain sight. The first thing listed, what's the first thing listed? You come together, each one has a hymn. It, it's a, when you, this does not mean that every individual in the church gathers together having composed a hymn that week. This is speaking about when you come together and you're fresh and full in Christ, these are the spontaneous expressions of praise that you bring to one another. And it starts with a hymn, even before a lesson. Interesting. You come together and you're just part of the natural outflows you sing. You sing a song that's an old song that is on your heart that you just were really blessed by this week. You sing a new song that you wrote, and it's not maybe going to be great. No one's going to record it and publish it, and that's fine. That's not what this is. You're not a recording artist. You're singing a new song, and you share it, and people are blessed by it. And maybe some people are really good, and, they actually, and it works its way up here, and then the whole church can sing, or maybe not. One of the most interesting worship meetings I was ever at was in Central Asia, and I'm not even saying I recommend this, but it was really, I'll just tell you about it. They had a band playing the whole time. It's a simple, like, refrain. And people were sitting, just praying. And as anyone wanted, they would stand up and come to the front to the corner and quietly tell the worship leader a passage that had come to mind or that they were reading or whatever. It's a verse or even a few words from a verse. And that person would then come with a couple other people quietly with this verse, and on the spot, they would write a tune, a simple tune. And then they'd come to the mic with the band and fit it in, impri improvising with the band's like, chord progression, and sing this verse a couple times to the group, and then the group would sing it together. And that would be that. It was fascinating. It was amazing. It's such a different way of relating to God's scripture and wonderful. Now, again, that may not be like what everyone needs to run out and do, but it was really close to this. It was like we're going to sing God's word together. Cool. That's cool. I'm just going to suggest this. I'm not... It's not a teaching on spiritual gifts, but when we talk about spiritual gifts, at least if I've so often, 
you know, the question is, is usually, what's my gift? Like, what's my thing, my identity? What name tag do I wear? Where do I fit in the church operation? I go in, and that's it, and I, like, park it there. And, and that's not, I'm not saying that's the wrong way of looking at it, but if you think about this, when you come together, each one has a hymn or a lesson. What if it's more like, what are you going to bring to the potluck this week, right? And less, like, what's your, like, role in the machinery. It's like, what are you going to, what are you going to bring this week? You know, and, and we'll bring different things. And I'm not going to bring the same thing necessarily every, every week. I don't know if, the, if you're tracking with this. Like, there's certain things I probably wouldn't bring, like a um, salad. I just, I probably would never bring a salad to a potluck. I'm at, but I'll eat other people's salads. I like salads. I've got some amens on this. I like no salads. But I'm going to bring something fresh, and probably different, but very me, and bless the, the group with it. What if spiritual gifts were more like that, like a new present? Like, when I'm full of Christ, when, I, my, when my eyes are full of faith, and I come together with the, with the body, with my small group, what, do I, what comes out? What do I want to say and do? What, what is something that blessed me this week? What if that's another way of thinking about it? I don't know. I'll leave that up to elders to like shoot down later or whatever. But the fact is they came together singing. This undergirds and makes sense of a bit what we just read in Ephesians, which was awesome. Um, Ephesians 5. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody to the Lord. Let's not get off like the train here and write a book about what psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs and like go on like 300 pages about the differences between them. I mean, I guess that's a conversation that can be had, but that completely misses the point. Be filled with the Spirit and sing. That's the new song. That's my, that's my point here. That's the new song. It's when you are full and, and full of Christ and, and faith is strong. It's like that's the song that we sing to Christ. And we should be writing those. We should be writing those. I think, well, I'll get to the obstacles in a minute. That is point two. So that's new songs, singing newly. How does this work, singing old songs newly? The command, the command to sing demands, an, demands that we find an authentic source. Like, no one loves to be forced to sing. Am I right? Like, no one, no one would really love the love song that someone was, like, paid to do. Okay? So, singing songs newly forces us to, into a vital love relationship with Jesus. Now, yeah, without this, there is no freshness to our singing, to our worship. And I'm not saying that it has to be only one thing all the time. I'm not saying it has to be emotional, but singing is emotional. Singing, singing out of a, a spontaneous response to God is part of what this looks like. Maybe not every single time, all the time. Let's not add a new law to judge ourselves by and sit there and like, oh, I'm supposed to be... Fit feeling a certain way and now I'm not and now it doesn't count let's put it this way Psalm 98 two psalms later it talks about make a, in verse 4 make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth break forth into joyous song so break forth that's like dams break forth when there's too much water and they don't and they like and it's a huge mess okay 
there is a sense of pressure building up and something inside needing to come out, and it may not be super tidy or, or it's a wow, I just need to break forth into song. This is part of what the new song in Christ is, that this should be part of our experience in Christ. It's a bit of a litmus test. And again, I want to be careful not to add some false law here. They're all supposed to look a certain way or act a certain way singing. But I'll let the scriptures speak for themselves. Sing to the Lord a new song. Burst forth with joyful singing. That should at least be part of it sometimes. So this drives us to seek an authentic source. There are a couple obstacles that I've identified in this. Obstacles to avoid. That one is, yeah, avoid obstacles. Number two, avoid obstacles. When it comes to new songs, actual writing of new songs, I think we're pretty shackled by a cultural view of, of who can write new songs. And for 90-some percent of us, we'd say, not me. Oh, I'm not that. I'm, I don't have training. I've never done it. I don't even want to do it. And I would just like to challenge that, that we have this obstacle of professionalism because we have this, like, 10 seconds old phenomenon in the history of the world of the worship band and, and Christian music industry. I'm not going to comment on that, but it exists and it's brand new and it's not germane to most of human history. I think we have a real obstacle that like, I don't do that. I'm not a music person. You know, I'm not an arts person. I don't like to challenge that. I say you are. You are an arts person. You're creating the image of God. So you can own that now. I'm not saying you have to be a theater person, Lord forbid. Just an arts person, okay? <laughs> it's not for the professionals. It's not for the Jeremy's and the Matt Redmond's and the whomever your things are. Those exist, but this is grass level, ground level. Just go write something. Try, try it. You don't have to tell anyone. You can sing into your pillow. Pick a verse. And put some music to it. Do you know how many melodies are in your head, right? like in your brain? Literally tens of thousands, probably. I mean, we could sit here for hours while we think of all the melodies. You've got what it takes. Just sing something to the Lord. Get past all this, this obstacle, like it's not me. It is you. Let it be you. And maybe, maybe it's not horrible. Maybe someone could, maybe share it with one person. Maybe share it to the small group. Who just, and then that's that, and you're blessed, and you're done, and you move on. There's an obstacle there. When it comes to singing songs newly, meaning singing any song with a heart of faith, we've got a big obstacle of pride. And by we, I mean I. But I know other people do too. Sin keeps us from singing freely to God. I just had a conversation after the last sermon when someone confided with me that in, when there was a new worship leader, the songs were so different that for months she felt she couldn't sing. It's like blocked. And finally she said, all right, Lord, either he needs to go <laughs> or I need to change. And right away she changed. And she said, I was suddenly free to sing again and wasted months criticizing the music. I don't like the style. I am the chief at this. I mean, I can just tell you, if you want to be critical about music, get me going. But we got to get over that. Some of you in this room may remember Craig Harris, who was the previous worship leader. Any Craig Harris knowers out the people who knew Craig Harris? All right. 
So I love Craig deeply. We're good friends. We still talk. And I would say this to his face, too. Craig Harris is one of the most opinionated people I've ever met. Can I get an amen, right? I mean, if you know him, you're like... And he was trying new stuff, and he was just like, these songs are terrible, and these are good, and we're going to do... And he was trying new stuff, and the church was like... And he tried this version of Oh, Four Thousand Tongues to sing. And I think, like, people probably tried to kill him. I mean, it was like really weird and so this little music box thing a little blunk and I know because I had to play it on the piano and I was like don't shoot the messenger it's just, um, and you know it got axed <laughs> so here's Craig here's someone who's, who's really opinionated very musically brilliant and has a lot of opinions and, I, and tastes and I asked him one day at one point I said Craig what would you do what do you do when you're in a situation where you just can't stand the music in your worship setting he was like oh and you know his advice was? He's like, just sing loudly with all your heart. What good advice. That's true. The point is not that you love or feel or identify with the music. There is good and bad music, don't get me wrong, but that's not the main point. The point is that you are singing to the Lord newly, freshly. You can't do that with pride. You can't do that with judgment in your heart. It's, if you call it taste, that's little more approachable, but I'm not saying we have to throw out our taste, but we got to get past them. They can't be ultimate. Uh, we got to sing with all our hearts. Advice from Craig. So that's how I think it works out in the church. Write music, sing new songs, and sing songs newly. Why? So, final bit here. The implications of this, the purpose of this, the the effects and purpose of singing in Scripture are way more than we could cover today. We are told we sing for joy. We sing to edify the body, to build it up. We sing to instruct future generations. We sing to unify the church. There is singing in Scripture to bring about spiritual and physical victory in battle. I mean, singing is huge. They literally like sang Satan down in Scripture. But what I want to emphasize, the purpose that is given here in Psalm 96, I think is the ultimate, the main purpose for this command to sing a new song in Scripture. And it's to declare God's glory among the nations, to declare God to the world. It's right here. There's an immediate progression. In verse 1, sing a new song to the Lord. Verse 2, sing to the Lord, bless his name. Then, tell of his salvation from day to day. Then, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works. This is not like three different things. This is all one thing. It's one thought. It's one deal. Sing a new song. Declare his glories. They're the same thing. This means that evangelism, missions, is as technical and complicated as singing a melody, which is basically just like one step up from breathing. That's what this is saying. Sing to God. It's the most spontaneous, natural thing. Declare to the nations, if you are singing a new song and full of faith in connected with the vine, declaring to the nations is really no different than just singing a song when you're happy. Like children. It is no more technical or complicated than just humming a tune to the Lord. That is 
what missions is. In a kernel. It says it right here. And that means that the song that we're singing is just the gospel. We are singing the gospel. We are exulting in Jesus. That is the source of our joy. That is the content of our song. That is what we're sharing. This is really helpful. It's a good, it's a good check for us. This is a good litmus test for us. Because you can't do it without, without encountering Jesus. You can't drum this up. You can't make something new out of something old. We're not the source. So you can ask yourself, am I even sometimes spontaneously singing a new song to the Lord? Do I have that new song in my life? I'm not saying... Again, I'm not prescribing what kind of like personality profile you're supposed to have or your emotional. Th- it's like, is this, is this coming up from within me? Even sometimes. Or maybe it did a long time ago and it's sort of not new anymore. It's not fresh. It's crusty bread. Not, not, it's, it's like a waffle in the fridge. Which we, yeah. Or maybe this is like news to you. Maybe you're not in Christ to begin with. You're singing the good old-timey hymns, or which aren't, we don't even do a lot of. <laughs> but it's just rote traditionalism or just having to sing. we got to come to Jesus. He will delight us with the gospel, which is his salvation, his love for us. And if we've received that, we need to be there again and again, just coming back to the love of Jesus. I was on, the, on a Skype call in this last year, in the last half year, with a coach, um, I was struggling with a bunch of stuff, and he was just like, you know what? You just gotta, you just gotta come back and enjoy Jesus. All this junk coming out in your life that you're, you're just not resting in God's love. God loves you. I was like, seriously, that's what you're telling me? Like, I need some like concrete. No, this is it. It doesn't get more concrete than that. This is a good litmus test for us. It's not about what we're singing and the style. It's about how we're singing it and who we're singing to. Let me give a couple specifics about how I think this works out. Again, with new songs and songs sung newly. New songs move the church out into the world. Okay. So my idea here is that when we're creating as a church, when we're, the creative people are creating new things, it moves us into different segments of society and different cultures of the world because we want the songs to be sung there, okay? It moves us vertically up and down in society, high-end music, grungy, bluesy music, whatever, you know, whatever you put your music's on your scale. The church is going to those places and writing music in those styles. Not everyone in here has the same style. You're going to write in your style. You're going to write in the things, you're going to be drawn to the music that you like. And different churches, I mean, I've been to churches, you probably have too, where they've got like the symphony orchestra going, like full bore in the front. It's amazing. And they have kettle drums and everything. And you're like, where's the white wigs and Mozart? It's like awesome. And then you go to other churches where it's literally like jazz band. Or, and it's just totally different. As we compose and create, not just music, arts, everything, it moves us out into different segments of society. 
where Jesus wants to be, from grunge to mosh to uh, hip-hop to all the societies. There's no better and worse music style. I will weigh in on that. But this moves us out, and it moves us out horizontally to different cultures where they are not yet singing the songs of Jesus. This is what I'm trying to be involved in. I forgot my prop. It's a, it's a, it's a I guess the Russian word is a, a rattle, and it's this instrument which is like a stack of a bunch of flat pieces of wood lashed together with a leather thing, and you go, and it's just like a bunch of wood like smacking. And if I asked you in here, like, how many people that give sort of an emotional rise to, like, probably it would be zero, because it just sounds like wood hitting. But there, in the mountains, the people whose instrument this is, that's, they hear that, they're like, oh, that's our sound. And imagine praises to Jesus put to that thing. That, the church moves out to compose and to, and to facilitate the creation of these new songs in every sphere and segment of society and culture. That's how writing new songs works in this context. Singing newly, singing a new song to the Lord, as I've been talking about, that fresh, authentic love for Jesus is a stamp of authenticity on what we say and do in the world. Now, what I mean is that life, that song of salvation, that joy in Jesus is a stamp of authenticity. It says to the world, there is something here. This is a real, this is not a cut flower. This is something living. And, it's, and, it, and it announces that in a way that just the words can't. Um, this is not, again, an opportunity to heap some kind of guilt or law on yourself that I'm supposed to be like 24 hours a day at a constant emotional state of whatever. This is not that. This is in your life pressing into Jesus and when you share and when you talk and when, you, when we are out in the world, it has to come from that place of love, of a, of a love relationship with Jesus, a freshness, like fresh bread. You know that smell of fresh bread that like, they, I didn't know this about my wife until actually fairly recently, but when we have guests, she bakes bread anyway, but she does it last so that the house is full of that smell when they come in. That is super clever. Because then they're just like, I love this house. And when there's fresh bread in my home, it is like, everyone be still, give me butter and honey, and please get out of my way. I mean, you want that bread right then. It's fresh, right? It's got a savor to it. So are you happy in Jesus? One of my favorite quotes, I'm landing the plane here, one of my favorite things that, that John Schubert says is, our God is a... Anyone? What kind of God? Happy God. I mean, he said it. I've been here a while. Our God is a happy God. And that's, that's what we're after. Every day is that just connection with Jesus that allows us to sing freely to him. And that is what the world is after. So my end point is to ask you to decide right now what are you going to do today or tomorrow to take a step in that direction what are you going to do today or tomorrow to foster 
that newness in your life. A concrete step that you can say, I did today or tomorrow. I want everyone to get a little pen out or whatever. You've got your things with the place, yeah, the blanks. What are you going to do? Maybe it's to take a step toward Jesus to begin with. I don't know if you're a visitor. Maybe you think you've never actually come to Christ and given him your life to receive the newness to begin with. Maybe it's, it's gotten stale and old and you just need to take some time to connect with the Lord like it takes time. Maybe you need to block out a retreat. That's something my wife and I have tried to do at different seasons in our life. Like on this Saturday, you get the first half of the day by yourself. You have to leave and just spend it with the Lord because there's, there's, it takes time. You know, there's, there's, there's things that like I met a, all right, computer tech who was fixing computers, and I was asking him, do you ever get interrupted? He's like, when I get interrupted, I lose 30 minutes. I have to go back. I've been focusing, working, and I have to go back and regain the 30 minutes of work that I was doing. There's things that we, like, we can meet the Lord at minute 31 in a way that the first minute, 1 through 30 of prayer doesn't get us there. Like, it might take time. Um, maybe you want to devote some time. Maybe you want to sing into your pillow or create a tune. Because I think this passage shows that our vitality, the church's vitality, the mission on earth that we have to our neighbors, to one another, to our neighbors, to the nations, it depends on having this new song in our lives. Let me uh, ask God's blessing on this. Let's pray. Jesus. You are the new song. You are the bright morning star. And I thank you, Lord, that you are worth our songs. I just want to pray for all of us in this room that you would bring something specific to mind. Lord, you'd give us concrete steps to continue going hard after you and to um, you'd put a new song in our, in our mouths where, where it's lost. Lord, and that, that newness, that freshness of life with you, God, would affect and influence everyone around us, from our spouses to our children to our neighbors, near and neighbors far around the globe, so that your great name would be praised. In Jesus' name, amen.